0: And he goes, one thing I worry about is with hiring people to run a company, it can become a little too cush, meaning, hey, yeah, you're launching a startup, but you also get this salary. You also, they have a nice office. You have the nice lifestyle. Whereas if you're actually truly starting a startup and it's your only thing, you're working in your parents' basement, you're working from home, You're you're depending on it to make income. And when it's a little too cush, you don't have the urgency, you don't have the tenacity. So how do you force this, what he called fire? I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question, what would you do if you were starting today? on the podcast, it's that time of the month where we are going to give an update on our startups we're attempting to build and build in public. So I have Jonathan, my partner, on to to get into it, but you can't see, but he looks very dapper today. Jonathan, what's up, man? We haven't spoken today. It's almost noon, but I know you and I have both already had full days. How are you doing?
1: I've actually had, um, I'd say, a much longer day than you have. So my day started much earlier. And I think you're the only person who compliments me for my fashion sense. So I look forward to those.
0: Well, hold on. Let's let's give context because I might challenge you that I wake up earlier than you, but you are across the world in the sense that what time is it right now where you are?
1: 9 30. 930, actually. PM?
0: 9 PM. PM. Yes. Oh my goodness. It is it's almost noon. I haven't had a bite to eat. It. I'm about to pass out, but that's okay. What what did you do this morning? Did you do jujitsu or a workout? Yeah, I did some martial arts
1: so but I've been on my computer the whole day. And it's one of those unhealthy days where I've been staring at my screen and I feel like my yeah. eyes are, you know, this is not good for my eyesight. I've yeah. definitely burned my eyesight, so at least the quality of my eyesight by by years in just one day. That's what it feels. Yeah.
0: I literally went uh, to the eye doctor and I said that same thing. I think um, I don't know the long-term effect of staring at Zoom on my computer, but I'm pretty sure I'm gonna go blind. And she was like, you know what? Just take a minute. And when you're on those calls, look away and look outside. That might save your eyes from bleeding. I was like, perfect. Got it. So whenever it looks like I'm looking off into the distance, pondering something, I'm just trying to make my eyes stop bleeding. But okay. So for people that don't know, we have something we're calling the $3 million challenge. We're like, okay, we're such a good growth team. Why can't we grow our own stuff? And the goal is to get three companies to seven figures. One is our agency growth hit. We have achieved that. The second is One Day Design, a productized service that makes conversion-focused websites. And we have gotten that. Well, actually, I'll wait. I'll wait to get into the revenue. And then we have Handsome Chaos, our direct consumer men's grooming product. And so three different business models. And so we can kind of get into that. But let's start with One Day Design. So from a revenue perspective, we are at $130,000 in revenue. So if you can do the math, the goal is $1 million. We are at 130000 So we're the six-figure club, the, the six-digit club. That's exciting, but we still have a ways to go. But we actually have some big updates. Jonathan and I, for a while, we have the dream of having entrepreneurs in residence and VC firms. There's this EIR title, which I have a badass job. You're like, hey, I'm in between starting companies. I'm gonna go camp out at a VC firm. I'm gonna talk to founders, but I'm kind of hatching my own idea. So Jonathan and I, were. we need that. And so how do we find rock stars to be in this role? And I think there's two paths. There is the been there, done that. The second, the aspiring second time founder that wants to do the next thing or the up and comer. And so we found somebody and he is in that second category of the up and comer. But He's essentially the growth and product lead for one day design. And he's been here three weeks and he might be listening to this, but we'll go ahead and do a a review that's that's not even to him. But how do you think it's going with this new role, Jonathan, with our EIR? But I mean, actually, even just before that, Jim, has one day design hit one a year? Have we crossed
1: the one year mark at this point? It, it um, happens in in a month, actually. Okay, so at 11 months or so. To hit one hundred thirty thousand dollars of revenue, corporate business that doesn't have an owner—it's actually way more remarkable than we think. We definitely don't give ourselves credit. Keep in mind, like we're balancing many other priorities, and this has always been the unloved child in the portfolio stuff that we do. So now, to get one person that's going to commit himself, and so far his energy has been really impressive. He's brought out a lot of fresh ideas and initiative, and he has at least eight hours a day that he's committing to doing these things that we have always put on our wish list, but simply never had the time and energy to do. So and he even, even so far, we've seen so much progress. He's given us a, a lot of a burst of new energy that's been an uplift for everyone on the team. So excited about what he's brought so far.
0: Yeah, he's a dog with a bone, and I love it. He, he's already talking to customers that are happy, ones that have not been happy, very proactive. And so, Named, if you're listening or we're fired up, man, and it's funny that you say, and, and I need to be more optimistic because it is cool. We took an idea from nothing to six figures in under a year. However, I literally just saw this podcast title of another growth agency that launched something to seven figures in six months. And I read that. I just kind of was like, oh, man, like, we're doing it wrong. But no, it's it's been pretty fun. So that's a huge milestone is getting this pers- going. person going, but it's also like, okay, how do you set this guy up for success? Because the truth is we have traction, but we don't have product market fit. And so he's coming in and we're honing in on the strategy and he's really pushed us to do that. And we've kind of, we've making, made some bold moves that I'm excited about. One is we're really focusing on one specific category, which is Shopify websites. And then two, we're going a step further to really just focus on conversion focus design. As opposed to being, if you're all in one design team that's a hired gun because one, there's so much competition out there. It's kind of a race to the bottom. And with AI coming, it's going to be even more race to the bottom. And where we have an unfair advantage is being very strong at conversion rate optimization and it leans into that skill set. And it was funny, it took someone with a fresh perspective. To push us on that path, which we which we kind of knew, but we're afraid to go down. But I'm I'm pretty fired up about the moves we're going to be doing in the next 30 days.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the big takeaways for me, just seeing his energy and the initiative in the, the first three weeks of him joining us, is just the mistake we've made of essentially starting a lot of these initiatives and assuming that we could handle all this new work with our current bandwidth. And I think that's maybe not the most ideal arrangement, but we need to be just as good as finding the right person to man the new ship because chasing new rabbits almost every new quarter whatever we launch <laughs> new initiatives is not the best use of our resources. We're already at near capacity and adding more big projects. And at the surface, of might like a small initiative that you can quickly put together and, you know, validate and go to market with, but there's a lot of work that goes into it, and it needs its own driver and owner that thinks Thinks about it day and night.
0: And we're not able to do that, quite frankly. So, yeah, yeah. that's been the big takeaway for me. Yeah, he even said that today. He's like, I know this is important to you, but this isn't your main thing. Like, this is my main thing. He's like, what can I do to have you and, and then apply it will get out of my way so I can go? That's the exact right mentality. Because we, you and I are bottlenecks, man. We are, yeah. we are putting him up, so we've got to get out of his way. The one thing that's interesting is how do you manage this EIR? How do you manage someone that's now responsible for turning an idea into nothing? So I, I've been talking to people at other startup studios to get their advice. And I spoke to one person. I won't say his name because I almost want to get his permission, but I got some interesting advice. And he, he came up with this phrase that I kind of love, which it might make people not want to work with us, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway. He goes, it's the idea of unreasonable management. And he goes, one thing I worry about is with Hiring people to run a company, it can become a little too cush, meaning, hey, yeah, you're launching a startup, but you also get this salary. You also, they have a nice office. You have the nice lifestyle. Whereas if you're actually truly starting a startup and it's your only thing, you're working in your parents' basement, you're working from home, you're you're depending on it to make income. And when it's a little too cush, you don't have the urgency. You don't have the tenacity. So how do you force this, what he called fire? Because I look at my top people, they were with me in the early days where we went through that fire, those tough times together. And if they survived it, they have this kind of like black belt level of sophistication and intensity when it comes to running a company. So he called this philosophy of unreasonable management. How do you force the fire? And some ways you do that is around pushing someone, not on the brink of making it unhealthy, but to get the most out of them and do more than what they think. For example, you could have a meeting. You're like, hey, that meeting's great. You know, we have some action items. Get it to me sometime next week. That's what a reasonable manager would say. But he's what I do, he's like, I'll be like, okay, great meeting. He's like, give me the thing by tomorrow noon. And you just start to apply this pressure to pick up the pace and raise the bar of what is expected. And so that's something that I think about because the second you and I go lax as business owners, Imagine the middle manager. If we're lax, what's lax to them? You know, so always keeping it at that level. So uh, unreasonable management is an idea that comes to mind as we're kind of running the, the studio. Are you a business owner in desperate need of talent, but you have issues finding good people? Or worse, you find the talent, but then they want you to pay them double what you have budgeted. Yeah, I know the feeling. This is where remotely talents can help. Imagine having a personal HR team that finds you A plus talent. And here's the best part. It costs you 40 or even 80% less than us employees. It's magic. So let's say you need help with setting up your social ads, your Google ads, email marketing, website development, customer service, their team sources, the top Ukrainian talent for you. And they deliver three top vetted candidates straight to your inbox. It's a one-time payment, and best yet, they give you a 60-day guarantee to ensure you're happy. Hey, if it doesn't work out, they'll find and replace the talent for free. Even better, 3% of all sales go to the Children's Hospital in Ukraine. At Head, our agency, we've hired four people from Ukraine. I am blown away by the level of work we're getting. So whether you need a virtual assistant or a creative director, Give this a try. Go to remotelytalents.com right now and start a conversation. See if they can help you. You really have nothing to lose. That totally
1: makes sense. If you're trying to get unreasonable outcomes, you probably need to impose unreasonable standards on folks. It's, but you are right. You probably scare away a lot of a lot of people. <laughs> but I guess the people who stick around are the type of people you want for that. I think it kind of automatically weaves out the wrong people and maybe even pulls it and attracts the right people or who yeah. want that kind of intensity. and. Experience nothing else, so that they can, you know, roll it into not this venture, like some future experience as well. So, I totally agree. And I think now that we have someone on the meet, we can definitely impose our unreasonable management. Guys, let's see what happens. Yeah, experiment. Yeah, for skinny yeah. pig.
0: Yeah, but I really do think we rewarded. Even in 2020, we got rocked by COVID, but it was unreasonable what we had to do in that short time frame. You and I were all emergency calls on a daily basis. But what came out of that was really impressive. And I think it like forged what we were building closer together and even like team members that kind of rode that wave with us. I mean, it opened so many doors for for their careers because I don't know. I think anyone that just wants the nine to five job isn't right for what we're trying to do. And so, yeah, it's it's a forcing function. So, yeah, maybe we won't write the book Unreasonable Management just yet that we could get canceled, but that's okay. Um, what else on one day design, anything you want to hit on?
1: No, I think we've set a goal. I would say a very achievable goal for our new product and growth meet to achieve in the short term, just to get him, just to give him a a milestone or a target to aim for. But we're actually doing a huge rethink of the entire business model, trying to position ourselves in the most irresistible way to a much targeted audience. Uh, Shopify business owners and the past was pretty much anyone who wanted design and now reframing everything around CRO. So these are a lot of changes and we'll see how it progresses. We'll report it most likely on the next call. I think we'll learn very fast and we'll have
0: enough to talk about on the next podcast. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it. And we can even get into the marketing and growth strategy and calendar. We're thinking for the year ahead, we're about to do a big giveaway around designing pages for free. There's a stunt that we want to do so so we can hit on all of that. So the, the next startup I want to hit on is Handsome Chaos. And with our D2C brand, we had a manufacturer that made a product for us that we really liked. It took 13 months. It took 12 iterations. We loved it. They then said we're too small. They we had to do an or a minimum order that was like 20x of what we would do, which it was a way of them basically firing us. So we found another manufacturer who we vetted in a much better way. And we've realized that the formula we had is not scalable. And I spoke to five other founders of grooming products and the beauty space to look at the formula. They send it to their manufacturers and they all agreed, you've got to reformulate. And what is a bummer is that we have to reformulate, but also I didn't realize how common this is. And so the initial formula, it costs around 5K to reformulate. It's around 1500. So we're going to do that. It's going to add another two months to it. But man, just trying to create something new and innovative, the time and money it takes. And those aren't even big dollar amounts because we're really negotiating on it. But man, it's it's a it's a little crazy. But that that's the update on handsome chaos is we don't know how to manufacture products and we're pay, we're we're paying our tuition and figuring that out right now. You know, I, I'm so glad you went
1: through this. And I and I'm glad that <laughs> I can watch it from a distance and not even day to day because. <laughs> This is, it's been a huge turn off just watching the ups and downs of a physical product company and just trying to get it off the ground. It's, it's incredible. You'd think that getting a Shopify brand up and running is just as simple as getting the site up, maybe finding one, you know, producer of the product and that's about it. But that's a lot that goes into it, which has been a huge education for, I think, everyone that's watching. That's, that's crazy.
0: Oh, yeah. We don't even have the fulfillment partner and everything. And so. And this kind of leads to the next thing. One thing Jonathan and I have thought okay, we launched we're looking to launch two startups in the first year. We launched one. The second one as we just mentioned is kind of on hold. There's another path to do this kind of you know studio and it is not to start companies but to acquire companies. So one thing we've been working with is we're talking to various private equity firms. We're talking to various family offices and what would it look like to acquire companies? And something that you and I are doing is really honing in on what is our investment thesis? Because we are, we're very strong at growth and strategy and marketing and process. We're clearly not strong in manufacturing. We're not strong at building software. And so what is that right investment thesis for us? Because our goal is to, to do an acquisition in the next 12 to 18 months. But there's a, a steep learning curve that you and I are trying to go up to figure that out. And so I think maybe in a, a future episode, it'd be cool to go through our investment thesis. Because my goal is once we nail that down, we really go on the hunt to find two things, the right company to acquire and potentially the right operator to run it. But but how are you feeling as far as where you're at on that learning curve for buy rather than build companies?
1: Yeah, I've always been a big fan of that idea, mostly because, you know, it- cuts out a lot of that early learning curve and you know the pain of birthing a new idea that usually comes with yeah. as you were just walking us through the handsome chaos process actually it's probably a good example of that but i thought the more i was thinking about the investment thesis it got me thinking well it is the higher level question here what are we trying to get out of it and i think there's some deeper level questions that we need to ask ourselves maybe even just do some some introspection around who we are and what our strengths are and even just Thinking through like the ideal scenario, we're extremely successful at this. And we looked back two years and looking back at where we are right now, what have we achieved? What kind of life are we living and things that I feel that deeper level of analysis is needed. And I've been thinking a lot about that even before I spend any time going deeper into the investment thesis. I know you kind of pulled this together almost overnight. It felt like after we had our discussion last time. But yeah, I just wanted to spend a bit more time on the higher level, the higher level stuff before I dive deeper into the investment thesis. But I'm glad that we're taking this direction. And uh, it's going to be a forcing function, I think, to move into, you know, these things that we've always been interested in, but quite frankly, never had the time and energy because of growth, 1D design, and all these other ventures that we're trying to chase simultaneously.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I'm trying to do is be more vocal about it, where in the past, I just kind of keep it to myself. But basically, people that I understand, that I know that have already gone down this path of acquiring companies, I'm I'm already setting up meetings where I want to, pitch them on our investment thesis and have them just kind of rip it to shreds or like give things that they like and don't like about it. So yeah, man, when you come to Seattle, I've got a buddy that I want to meet with where he's already, he's got a fund and he's acquired two companies. And so he said, he's like, yeah, he's like, man, when you're ready, he's like, let's let's go over everything you have. So um, another reason for you to hurry up and get out of here already. We'll do looking forward to that one, actually. That's a big one. Well, cool, man. Well, what has caught your attention? So one thing I like to do in these episodes is whether it's startups, companies, or even growth hacks or tactics that have got your attention. What's, what's come to mind? I'll even start with one is one thing we do in our weekly newsletter is we always feature a tool of the week and it's a good way for me to like see what's out there. And really I just go with any new AI based tools. And one that got my attention is typeface. So imagine if Photoshop and ChatGPT had an AI love child, that's what this is. And here's the use case. You're a Shopify store owner, you have a pair of shoes. You could sync your catalog of products into, think of it as like Sigma or Photoshop. And you're like, all right, take these shoes and put it with an influencer. Boom, it'll make that image. Or take these shoes, make it kind of feel retro. Or take these shoes and put them in action or make this an enhanced product shot you're essentially taking a work of a premium creative director or designer and and putting it in the hands of AI. They they have a waitlist right now. They actually literally just opened it up this morning to people on the waitlist. So I now have access. But this is something where I would want to arm our creative team with it, where they can move much faster. We could take on more business with it, even with what we're doing with like Handsome Chaos, it could allow us to do a lot of stuff with that. But that's one that I'm just, this could be transformative for what people do with design. For sure, that's actually very
1: interesting. And I actually can't wait to get involved on in that tool. But um, my for the first company I want to hit on is actually relevant to the conversation we we're just having earlier around PE firms and, and investment pieces. Uh, it's called Red Ventures. It's actually a very, um, it's a secretive media firm that not many people know about. if anything, the name Red Ventures doesn't. It's not a, it's not a brand. They haven't branded their, their venture firm or the, uh, the holding company. They own a lot of brands that almost everyone has only used at least once. Bankrate.com, creditcard.com, pointsky.com, and many other well-known sites with a millions in, in, in traffic, monthly traffic, unique traffic. And the funny thing about them, Jim, is just how they started and evolved where they are now as a holding company for all these different brands. They started off as a marketing firm, actually, where they used to buy traffic. Uh, they would get ads for things people are already buying, so think you know, of Direct TV or your Sirius XM radio, and they would send traffic to their their sales team, who would close those uh, those interested buyers, and they would get a huge commission check on every new purchase. So they were a referral company essentially. And they had reached nine figures in revenue doing just that, selling TV and SiriusXM radio and other notable brands right? people already know. So you don't need to sell them on the value. It's just selling them on packages. And they used to get a kickback from the companies. They took that and they realized, wait a minute, we don't actually own any assets here. They took all their revenue and started acquiring online properties. So now people who are, I know their largest source of revenue right now is people signing up for credit cards. And the funny thing is, you can jump around from one of their sites to another without necessarily knowing that you're still within the same tunnel. So you might start a bank rate, end up on the points guy and then go to creditcard.com and you'd still be within the Red Ventures funnel. And at the end, you might acquire that credit card on the it's uh, called the points guy website. And they would they would get the what's called the $900 or $1,000 referral fee for that. So it's a brilliant business model that they've just, they've found these unknown sites that get a ton of traffic. And they built a funnel around it and they make a ton of revenue. I think it's valued at over $2 billion right now, the company. So it's a fascinating
0: company. Oh my gosh, that is so inspiring. It's so funny. Little of The guy that I was talking to that has the studio was talking about them, but I do not mm. know the extent that you know with them. I mean, that's, that's super impressive. Another one, I love not I say the name of it, but it, it's very fun to look at new AI tools and fancy business models. But... There's something to be said for taking something simple and doing it really well. There's a client we're working with where they do a very simple model, of a roll-up model. And they did it in one region where they did a roll-up of essentially like HVAC companies. And they got really good at acquisition for buying companies and then acquisition for getting customers. And when they're good at buying companies and then bolting on marketing, it's really powerful. And they did that with 30 companies. They're now going to another state and they're doing that roll-up model. They've already acquired four. We're helping them on the growth side. But it just shows me like as a growth agency, we have to compete with other marketing growth agencies to get business. It is a black belt fight every day going against other marketers. But if you can be a marketer that has to compete with Joe Plummer down the street, sign me up. And so th- that that one's been super inspiring to see kind of, you know, the roll up with these kind of blue collar jobs and tasks that, that's been very successful.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling we'll revisit this model specifically later on when we discuss our investment thesis, because this one's definitely attractive for where we are in our current skill set. But the other company I would have hit on, actually not a company, but a trend is celebrities turning their celebrity into equity. So I think a lot of people realizing that attention is the new currency of this moment in time. There's an interesting YouTuber actually called Doug DeMiro, who has this you know, car review channel on YouTube that's grown to I think a few million subscribers. I follow him, he has an interesting style, and he built a site called Cars and Bids that helps you bid on unique cars. And they've just recently raised $50 million recently that values that startup at hundreds of billions of dollars. So it's fascinating how he's built a startup using the attention and the reputation he's built as a car reviewer. And I think that's that's I think one of the first that I've seen. And now I think this is almost a guaranteed exit, guaranteed success because he has passionate fans that he platformed off YouTube into his onto his site. So that's a unique example. There's Reese, Reese Witherspoon with Earth Book Club. That She's become a a much a mega influencer in, in Hollywood using a an email list where she reviews books. That's where it starts. And she, she's built a system for doing that. Ryan Reynolds recently sold Mint Mobile to T-Mobile for hundreds of millions. If I'm not mistaken. George Clooney, I think in the past, I think this is so that she did older. Several years ago, sold his, I think it was a tequila brand from if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Casamigos. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just a few examples of celebrities just converting their... Their fame and popularity equity in the most fascinating ways
0: because it's it's a sneaky way to get your customer acquisition costs extremely low. Obviously, you're giving it yeah. back because they're owning it. Because even talking to another investor, that the one thing one formula they're looking at with cost per acquisition getting so high on Facebook and Instagram. You know, really, it's not just tapping into micro influencers, but to celebrities and influencers that have that audience that accelerate your your growth. And it, it's such an unfair advantage if if you can pull it off.
1: Absolutely, that that actually goes back to one of the investment pieces that we may need to discuss in the future as well. Maybe yeah. To,
0: yeah. Yeah, and you and I know another guy who's done two exits by partnering with micro-influencers that have an audience that hasn't been monetized. One, so one startup, I actually just met them the other day. They were in New York Tech Stars and that batch, and it's called Poplin. And essentially, they sell a, a testing kit. Think of it as 23andMe, but it's like blood work. But it's here's why it's really smart. They're trying to own this category of pre-pregnancy. You're, like, you're married and you're thinking about having kids to have a healthy baby, parents need to be healthy are you ready to have kids and so the they have these packages for women and for men to do blood work to see how you're looking and then what are the steps you can take to make sure you're doing everything to be proactive to prevent anything that could be harmful for the kid and what's really cool about this is not one not just creating a category but two catching people at this inflection point of their life where they're about to become a parent because If they can win them over at that phase, what they can do beyond that could be amazing for postpartum stuff or for pediatrics. And so there's a lot of interesting things there. And the team behind it is very sophisticated. It's a nutritionist. So that one definitely got my attention at the Techstars day. I think you hit it on the head, actually. What makes this
1: most attractive is that they're catching people at an interesting point. The life cycle, the customer life cycle here is just very fascinating. So it'll definitely make a ton of money. It's not a one-time transaction. That's for sure. Lots of revenue to be made for a very long time.
0: Yeah. What else? Anything to close us out? Nope. That's it. Cool. Thanks Jim. Awesome. See you I'll give a few plugs first. I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out Growth Hit. Growth Hit serves as your external growth team. After working with over hundred startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthHit has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. Are you a business owner in desperate need of talent, but you have issues finding good people or worse, you find the talent, but then they want you to pay them double. what you have budgeted? Yeah, I know the feeling. This is where remotely talents can help. Imagine having a personal HR team that finds you a plus talent. And here's the best part. It costs you 40 or even 80% less than us employees. It's magic. So let's say you need help with setting up your social ads, your Google ads, email marketing, website development, customer service. Their team sources the top Ukrainian talent for you and they deliver three top vetted candidates straight to your inbox. It's a one-time payment and best yet, they give you a 60-day guarantee to ensure you're happy. Hey, if it doesn't work out, they'll find and replace the talent for free. Even better, 3% of all sales go to the children's hospital in Ukraine. At Growth Head, our agency, we've hired four people from Ukraine. I am blown away by the level of work we're getting. So whether you need a virtual assistant or a creative director, give this a try. Go to remotelytalents.com right now and start a conversation see if they can help you. You really have nothing to lose.